to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. So, Liz. Yes. I discovered something that can help you with your thriller illiteracy. <laughs> okay. Um, I really think that you need to watch this documentary to save yourself from future embarrassment. Okay. Give it, tell, tell me, what is it? So I think it's Showtime, Showtime or HBO, one of the two. I think maybe now they're the same. They just released um, Thriller 40 Years documentary, which Ooh. doesn't make any sense because Thriller came out in 1982. Ten years ago. It's like a couple years ago <laughs> here on ha- in happy hour it's always 1988 happy that's hour. right it's, every day is how could it, okay yes let's pause for a moment and realize that it really was 40 years ago and no yes no, so no 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 I know sorry Terrible. sorry to bring everyone down right away we um, usually wait until the end. <laughs> we usually wait to start start with the doom, but we're going to open with it. Okay. At least four minutes in, four or five. Um, so it's pretty fascinating. And uh, it just details how the whole album came together, who is involved. And then, of course, the production of the Thriller video, which we all watched over and over and over yeah. and could emulate. Um, but, you know, you sort of forget John Landis was so involved in that. I I know I knew that at one point, but he was. And just all these celebrities, like how they got Eddie Van Halen and to beat it. And The Girl Is Mine was the first single released and probably I thought was the worst song on that album. But to watch Michael Jackson and Paul McCartney, I'm not a fan of, um, record that song in sort of their spontaneous things that they added to that to those vocals. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's just a record of the most legendary, I think, and is to this day, um, most sold. Wow. What's the right word? I haven't had enough coffee yet. Highest best selling oh, album. Of all time. Like, yeah. Best selling yeah. probably grossing. So it gets a little long in some places. Uh, and of course it's back to, you know, MTV didn't want to play him because he was black sort of thing. So we can't just have like a clean documentary about Is that even true? I'm sorry, I need to interrupt you. Is that even true because I'm sure you remember just as I did. Michael Jackson was all the rage. Everybody loved Michael Jackson. So he I do made not MTV. Remember. There's yeah, no MTV without MTV. Michael Jackson. He made everything. Like how much how influential was Michael Jackson and the Jackson 5 just before Michael, you know, how influential were they? And then to have this like rewriting of history where there was some racism, I do not recall that. All those songs were top of the chart. Michael Jackson was almost always at the top of the chart in the 80s. So I don't know where this is coming from other than it's just par for the course where we're going to rewrite history and and lie and say that Michael Jackson didn't get airplay because he was black. And that is just bullshit. Well, you remember like that too. I do. And I mean, <clears throat> they played the clip of David Bowie confronting Mark, um, you know, one of the original VJs about why they didn't play more black artists. Now this would have predated thriller, right? So before late 1982, MTV, mm-hmm. I don't think even launched till what, 1979. So you're talking about still a, 
you know, the early stages of MTV's life. And David Bowie, of course, who, you know, is David Bowie and had to turn this into some social justice cause at the time. Oh, Mark Goodman confronted Mark Goodman, why they weren't playing more black artists. And what Mark Goodman said was, well, we're a rock. We're we're supposed to be a rock station. Uh, So they, you know, and that was when sort of hair metal, heavy metal was, you know, they were playing a ton of Van Halen and, you know, all those, all those sorts of bands. Um, And then some pop stuff, some pop music. But if you really think at that early time, so who was around, what other black artist was really around in the early 80s before Michael Jackson? What about like Lionel Richie? I mean, Lionel. yeah, so the Commodores, I mean, they were playing Commodores yep. videos. I remember seeing them. Yep. Lionel so Richie was solo, right? Can't Slow Down. What was that, 84? That 83? was So that would have been after Thriller. Yes. Right. No, no. What Thriller came out, what, 84? Oh, my God, Liz, what the hell? <laughs> I'm a punker. Okay. That's when, my music. My anchor is punk music. But go ahead. I can't remember what year Thriller came out. Uh, if you we uh, As soon as we're done with this, you are going I'm to. I'm going to go watch it. I'll yes, watch you it. are. This is like basic American history. This is like when like was Paul the Constitution Jesus. ratified? It's like Paul Revere. Shouting, when was the Revolutionary War? Name the year. <laughs> You have a few years in history. 82. Aside from the fact you should know that, I just literally said it like three times. So I don't know if you're just ignoring me. Maybe you're on Twitter scrolling as I'm saying that. Um, I'm tweeting right now. No, um, go ahead. So I, but I remember that I didn't watch a lot. of MTV took a while to catch on, if you remember, because it was. Because it was cable. You had to have cable. It was cable and it was such a new medium. If you remember, what was the first song ever played on MTV? Do you know? Yes, I do. Okay. Video killed the Video radio. Video killed the radio star. Shit. <laughs> I said it first. No. <laughs> um, but it was such a new medium for music that it took a while to really catch on. And maybe that was just my age, you know, that I didn't watch MTV in 1979 because um, I was nine years old. But Oh, God, it's just really oh, sad no. to say that out loud. Uh, but <laughs> that I think that was that was a, a, a part of w- why artists weren't also getting a lot of airplay is that it, it wasn't as popular as it eventually would become right at the start. It was very new and exotic. So I just I don't remember a lot of racism in music because all I remember is how popular Michael Jackson always was in the eighties all the time. So because he was producing those videos and then like thriller became its own, it was a movie basically. And you had to buy the VHS tape. And I think I wore out a few of those. Something Um, like seven or eight minutes long, right? Like the song itself. Yeah. And then he did the making of it. So they showed the entire remember the costumes and the little like bulgy things that they put on people. So it was really, it was cool. So anyway, aside from the, the woke aspect of the documentary, it's really, it's great. It's a trip down memory lane and I'm going to definitely watch it because uh I do like, I do like Michael Jackson's music. So I know he's canceled um, kind of, but he's, I like his music. I listen to it on the treadmill sometimes. 
um, has a good beat, but also so influential, so influential in the subsequent music that came out and different Mm -hmm. genres. So I don't, I don't, I, I mean, I, I'm against cancellation in general, um, as, as principal, but I'll definitely watch it. So thank you for, uh, huh. Sure. Liz. Yeah. Well, See if you pass. Out. We'll see if you pass the quiz next week. Or next week's okay. podcast. If there's gonna be now that I know there's a test, I'm gonna study for it. <laughs> Get the cliff notes on Michael Jackson. Um. All right. So it's only Thursday. That's when we tape, and already numerous shit shows on the horizon, the political horizon. So, Julie, what shit show should we start with? Um, well, I think we start with the biggest shit show in the country, which is, of course, Joe Biden, um, <laughs> the president or well, well not the president. I, I don't 46. And yes, 46. 46. I just Biden, whatever you want to call him. So um, it looks like he is still pushing hard to get the Ukraine funding. Now it appears that there's some deal that would trade off. Get this, Liz. I love this. I watched, and we'll get into the FBI Director Christopher Ray's testimony before the Senate Judiciary Committee on um, Tuesday. But now the compromise is if we actually now finally start to secure the southern border or they pretend that they're going to secure the southern border and throw money at it, that that will then justify or make easier more billions of more of more funding to Ukraine. So that seems to be the latest deal in the works. Um, so Joe Biden gave a little presser, if you want to call it that, on Wednesday, where he also was confronted about more evidence that he knew and was involved in Hunter Biden's business dealings. He got very um angry and resentful, called it a lie that he wasn't. There's more emails and and records that show that the House Oversight Committee has released this week that demonstrate once again that Joe Biden was involved and aware and did what he could to help his son earn millions of dollars from overseas hostile states and then funnel it to him and, and other family members. So that's sort of emerging. Hunter Biden has been subpoenaed. He's supposed to test, a, a, give a deposition to the House Oversight Committee um, On next the 13th, week. 13th, I think. Yeah, 13th. So where do you think that is headed? You know, I don't think, well, he, he, you can kind of war game this out, right? So let's say he doesn't do it, right? He doesn't show up. What's going to happen to him? Nothing. Nothing. Right. Nothing's going to happen to him. So, I mean, that's kind of where I am on a lot of these things. But when I think about it, you know, there's no duress, right? There's no, there's no pressure for him to, to do, to, to go and, and to testify because these house committees, what are they going to do? Refer it to the DOJ, the one that's been covering up for him and dragging their feet on their fake investigation that's been going on for who knows how long. Right. Many, many years. So, you know, there's really no consequences for Hunter not coming. And there are a lot of consequences for Hunter testifying, even in closed door session, because, you know, some of it will leak out. It's it's under oath. But again, even if he lies under oath, what's going to happen? I mean, every time there's a congressional hearing with the Biden administration official, they're, they're lying under oath. And right you know, there's no consequences. So, 
um, you know, I'm not sure what's going to happen, but I do know it, it won't matter because either way, he's not going to admit anything. He's going to lie. Nothing's going to happen for, for him, from him lying. And if he doesn't show up also, nothing's going to happen to him. So, and the media will cover and say, well, it's just a Republican witch hunt and he's not going to go participate in this silly witch hunt that the Republicans are doing, um, you know, because it's a witch hunt when Republicans do it, but it's like, you know, seeking great justice when the Democrats have their multi-million dollar J6 primetime jamboree, that's fine. So we know, you know, we know how this is going to go. So I, I'm not very optimistic there's ever going to be any justice. I don't think it matters how much evidence that the committees find against Joe Biden. There's never going to be actual justice the way that a regular citizen would be held to the existing laws or people that aren't even guilty of anything or are guilty of made up instant crimes that were just manufactured. Um, so the government well, can exercise authority against its political enemies. So I don't know. What do you I mean? And look, let's be honest. The Democrats, we, we've been there have been stories in the news and from sources. Um, and some people have just like James Carville have just come out and said it. I mean, they know Biden's a liability. So at this point, you know, to get rid of Biden is really in the Democrats interest because now the Muslims are turning against Biden because he's, you know, pretending to help Israel is not, but he's pretend he's, he's, he's giving lip service to it. Um, right. You know, the younger people don't like him because I guess he's not woke enough. And then people do realize he's cognitively impaired. So really, even if something does happen, um, information does come out about Biden, you know, it's really in the Democrats interest to get rid of him and to get rid of him as soon as possible, you know, so that they can run Gavin Newsom, which is what they really want to do. So go, go ahead. Well, I'm just, you know, overall, and now we have a dwindling Republican majority in the House. Kevin yeah. McCarthy announced Wednesday that he's Why? resigning as of the end of the year. He's a which, little shit, right? Like, he's a fucker. Yeah, fuck but up. look, he I don't blame him. I, that was humiliating. Why would you stay? He needs to make money. That's the... He's making, he's doing just, look, he's going to make enough money so that he can suck it up for fucking nine months. But this is a fuck you to the party. I it mean, is. this doesn't really solidify Kevin McCarthy as a, you know, as a leader of the party, as one of the party leaders, you know, that he would fuck the party because he's a petty little bitch, you know, and that no love lost here. Right. I mean, one happy hour. We, we're not friends of Kevin McCarthy, but, but you know, you want to think that the people in the party believe in the principles. And, you know, even if you leave, leave office, you still want to further the Republican principles or the purported Republican principles. Um, you know, and he's just like, no, because he's going to go. He's going to make a millions of dollars on K Street. Maybe yep. he'll go on like a board for a defense contractor. You I mean, you know, the drill, right? For sure. Absolutely. So, well, but look, this is the history of recent Republican speakers. John Boehner yeah. did it immediately. Yep. Paul Ryan, no one is screwing over the Republican Party especially MAGA world and Donald Trump than Paul Ryan. Yeah. So this is what they do. Um, and I guess part of it is that's how they got to be speaker. But <clears throat> the the danger now, and he obviously knows that. Yep. And what 
what upsets me about McCarthy, aside from all the empty promises, is the reason why we have such a slim majority in the House is because of him. Yeah. He had a lousy message. He did not put resources where they needed to go. And instead of picking up 30, 40 seats, they picked up 12 what? or something, Tw- a, a, a five or, seat majority. Yeah, five seats. So and then what do Republicans do? Because they're geniuses, right, Liz? They're political they geniuses. Yeah, they <laughs> they expel one of their own. So automatically that goes down to four. McCarthy leaves at the end of this year. Three. I don't know how quickly. I think. Well, Santos is not in a safe Republican uh, district, but I think McCarthy is. Yeah, McCarthy is in Bakersfield. So he should probably that will probably go to a Republican when they have a special election. But, you know, there are rules about how you hold a special election. So it's not going to be like in a week. Right. It's going to be in probably a couple months, at least it may be in June. I don't know. Um, I have to look at the calendar and what I can't remember what the laws are in California. But, you know, again, they brought this on themselves because they shouldn't have expelled George Santos. I know we've talked about Santos here. I know there's all sorts of allegations against him and I really don't care. You know what I mean? I just, I did not care what he did. I don't care. Nope. I don't care if, if the people who voted for him don't want him in office, they can vote him out in November when we have elections. But the idea that the Republican caucus can just expel someone is is dangerous and ridiculous. It's and now that they have even a slimmer majority, you just need and we have plenty of squishes. You know, they can just start picking off Republicans. They right? What they don't like MTG. Of course. You don't, of you course. don't think you can get a bunch of Republicans to vote with Democrats to get rid of her? Yes. Yeah. And and again, what's what's the recourse? What recourse does she have? You know, they can manufacture. That's what Kevin McCarthy did to Santos and Matt Gates was file an ethics complaint against them. Right. And then they can have a headline that says, oh, Matt Gates is under ethics investigation for what? Who knows? I don't know. You know, does it matter? No, it's just the headline that everybody thinks, oh, Matt Gates, you know, he's under an investigation and they can say, well, he's under investigation and, you know, we we need to get rid of him. And again, there's enough squishes in the Republican caucus. Yep to vote with the Democrats to get rid of Matt Gates, to get rid of MTG, to get rid of Tom Massey. I mean, you know, that, yes, that it's a bad precedent and Republicans again, as usual are acting. I want, I want to say they're acting against our, against their interests, but that's actually not true because their interest is not our interest. <laughs> they have different interests, right? They're probably are acting with their interests, but the, their vote, not, they're not acting in their voters interest. That's for sure. Well, and let's not forget who has helped elevate Kevin McCarthy, and that is Donald Trump. Yeah. So had he yeah. got behind someone else for speaker instead of my Kevin, my Kevin, um, McCarthy wouldn't be where he is. So this True. is, again, another example of inexplicably Trump. Donald Shooting Trump. Dick off. Right? And it's not that McCarthy was loyal to him because he wasn't. No. But he does the same stupid thing with Lindsey Graham. and So that I just I don't understand. Um, this didn't, um, was, didn't Kevin McCarthy tell, allegedly this is because Liz Cheney is shit out a book that no one's probably reading (laughs) where she said that 
Kevin McCarthy told her that Trump was on like a hunger strike. He was so depressed <laughs> about the election, which is hilarious, <laughs> which literally no okay. one would ever believe that. That is I mean, maybe Liz Cheney is not maybe she did believe it because she's you know, she's Trump derangement syndrome so that she could believe that. But anybody else would know that's a joke. I mean, I even after the election and he when he flies home and lands in in you know, Florida, and he goes to Mar-a-Lago. I imagine he's shoving Big Macs in his word hole, you know, like, nom, 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 nom. <laughs> even if he's angry, you know, that the idea that Trump's on a hunger strike is the funniest thing I've ever heard. Uh, but that's what Kevin McCarthy told Liz Cheney. Um, right. So, and McCarthy is an operator. So he knew it was good for him to make an alliance with Trump. And, you know, Trump is, makes alliances with people who flatter him. So... It was a perfect marriage. Yeah, it but. really was. And um, so aside from that, so now we're down to uh, minus two at the end of this year. Then another, that idiot who banged the gavel, remember the little bow tie guy, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, he was all upset that uh, McCarthy was ousted. He is retiring or he's not seeking oh, real McHenry? McHenry, yes. Yeah. But he's staying at least. But like Marjorie Taylor Greene tweeted the other day, let's hope no one dies, to your point. Let's yeah. Hope, you know, because <laughs> I saw that. I mean, I don't know. I could name a few that I hope will die, but um, whatever. <laughs> we have some suggestions. If not fate, you, Dan Crenshaw, I'm not okay. talking about you. No, 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 no. It no. doesn't. Um, Tongue in cheek, people. Don't make a clip of that. That's right. Oh, God. Media Matters will have that up in five seconds. Those they little monkeys me. that follow you. Yeah. Um, so that, uh, so McCarthy, so that is also big news. McCarthy. But Liz, to your, but back to well, what we were saying, how much more is this Hunter Biden and Joe Biden investigation? Where is this taking us versus using those resources and say, of course, this is what I'm going to argue, is blow open January 6th, blow open the Whitmer Fed napping, blow open what Jack Smith is doing. They wrote a letter, Liz. They wrote another oh, letter to Jack Smith they last wrote a week. Letter. Oh, no. Another sternly worded letter that he Not immediately laughed at and then, you know, put in the shredder. Right in the trash. <laughs> but again, here we are, uh, you know, almost a year to when they took over power. Not a single dime has been cut to the Department of Justice, FBI, or shut down Jack Smith. And the more, and we'll get to this motion that Jack Smith filed this week, it's absurd. The more that you, that this prosecution, the two criminal prosecutions, indictments of Trump by Jack Smith for classified documents in Florida, and of course, January 6th in D.C., the more these cases proceed, the more absurd they look. So why are we paying for this with Republicans yeah. in the House not cutting a single dime? Yep. No, they're not. They're not. And um, they're not even saying it right. Like it's not even just that they're not doing it. They're not even like threatening it, you know, like putting, you know, going to the media and saying, you know, we're considering some, you know, cutting this stuff out of the budget because the DOJ does isn't cooperating. Um and every day there's some story breaking about shenanigans at the FBI and the DOJ, right? Some story we yes. saw that they were interviewing clergy. For, they went after the Catholics um, when they were going after uh, 
because they don't like pro-life people um, praying outside abortion clinics. So they went after Catholics or parents for going to school board meetings. Um, You know, every day we have some new shoe that drops about just misbe, you know, bad behavior or abuse of power and over overreach and weaponization of government. And we don't even have the Republicans threaten that, let alone do it. No, I mean, it's don't. like they're just like, it's OK, it's fine. We're going to write a letter or we're going to ask you for information and you're going to tell me to fuck off and I'm going to be OK with it. And it's like this. I'm going like, to go on Sean Hannity and tell yeah. them. What happened? I am going to wag my finger on Sean Hannity tonight for two whole minutes because of you. I mean, look, they get their clips in the hearings, right? They get their clips. They put them on Twitter, put them on TikTok, put them wherever. Um, they send them to their constituents. And then we move on to the next hearing and the next problem and the next, you know, shit show. And nothing happened. So, but there are like a record number of politicians that are not running for reelection. And I find that what are your what's your take on that, Julie? I find it Fine. heartening. Fine. Yeah, you find it what heartening. I'm yes. like, bye, bitch, get out. All of you, with a, a handful, I would keep every single one. Get out. Goodbye, Mitt Romney. Bye. We oh, need yeah. more senators to. I think Molly Hemingway had a really good piece up at the Federalist about Jim Lankford. The oh yeah alleged Republican senator from Oklahoma. It's just so frustrating to see the media set these guys up and they just completely collapse. It's it's literally Lucy and Charlie Brown with the football for eternity. And they never, ever learn. The first rule of media, DC media, is don't go on these TV stations with these motherfuckers, all right? They don't come on our shit. Right. They don't answer our hard questions. Don't go on MSNBC. Don't go on CNN. Don't go on, you know, whatever Politico's podcast or the New York Times podcast or whatever. Don't even don't don't acknowledge them as somehow authoritative, let alone go on. And basically, I mean, he might as well have worn like a little dog collar with a leash. (laughs) Right? Well, that's the point, Liz. I- I'm fine with them going on, but you go on with your agenda of I'm going to shove this up George Stephanopoulos' ass. Yeah. I'm not going to kiss it. I'm going to humiliate him. But they can't do it. That's why I say don't go on it. I mean, these pe- these these people think it's 1994 or something, and yeah, they too. do not. They they shouldn't go on because they can't handle. They don't know how to handle these people. These hosts. These activists media personalities so my 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 advice to them is then don't go don't go on it but again Langford is just one of many who do this or they have like their roster of cucks that they call you know to go on like the Romneys right the basically the Romneys to go on and talk about how much Republicans suck or you have the incompetence like Langford who just got basically I can't even say I don't, it's even too much for me to say on the podcast, even though I swear what he like, gang banged, you know, just by the host. It's like he's completely oblivious. Um, but that happens all the time. And that's because our elected officials are clueless. They do not understand what's happening right now. They think it's 1994. So and that was a yeah. great piece by Molly where she outlined exactly what he should have said. 
Right. <clears throat> but again, these they they can't say it because they they aren't even aware of what's happening to them. You know, they they no, aren't they're, even aware. They're not. So to your point, the more who announce that they're not, I mean, this is the slow burn. This is the disintegration, continued disintegration of the Republican Party as we knew it pre-2016. I mean, it really did. I mean, I guess you could go, not really. The Tea Party was successful to the extent then, but then Obama won re-election and that was the end of that. But this really well, Obama is, turned the government against the Tea Party. I mean, yes, <clears throat> that well, right. you know, that was the end of the Tea Party is that the government was yeah. really weaponized under Obama and the IRS went after the Tea Party groups. OK, go go ahead. And let's not forget who was part of that at the time was Jack Smith, who was running the public what he called public integrity unit, no integrity unit. But that is how far back Jack Smith's political involvement in these partisan prosecutions go. But this is the slow disintegration, right? And this is why Trump is still leading everyone in the polls by huge margins. No one even, like Ron DeSantis, a very good governor, could catch fire because this is where the Republican Party is going and has been going. And so this is just, I think, the long, painful march to get rid of these people and and the weakness, let's hope it continues. I'm not really so sure it will, but let's hope. I think it will continue. I think it will continue. And I think that the younger generations don't like the system either. Now, our responses to rejecting the system and saying the system is broken are entirely different than the young people. But there definitely is a movement in this country that's growing and growing of people who believe our system is broken. Um, and again, there's very different solutions to that, whether you're, you know, from the left or the right. But there is basic acknowledgement. I think a large chunk of the population would acknowledge that our the government is basically just ineffective and out of control, like ineffective to, uh, regarding the things that we believe they're supposed to do and right. <clears throat> out of control to use their power to you know, control the populace, which is the opposite of what, how it's supposed to work. We're, I mean, literally our country is founded on the idea that we need to be protected against the government. Um, that's, I think young people, just, I think young people recognize or realize just instinctively, there's something very wrong with the country. Like they just, and you know, I'll say, I think part of it is social media because they yeah. look back at videos sure. that we post from whatever the eighties or nineties and they see people having fun and they see people doing well and, and happy and they look around now and they're like, well, where's our happiness? Yeah. We can't, I mean, we were suckered into getting these expensive college degrees we can't get a job. If we do, we're working out of our shitty apartment or our parents' basement because we can't afford to, you know, and we've talked about this. When you get out of college, you really can't afford things. That's not new. But I just think the sickness of the culture right now, at least most young people, Gen Zs, I think, are realizing this is not, you know, this this is not the the place, this is not the country it should be. Right. And it's not well, the country it was. The 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 question is, um, why why is that? 
right? Like why have things gone sideways? And that requires really a good faith analysis at the changes that have taken place over years that have brought us to where we are. I think the first point you mentioned was really a good one, which is it is the internet is is highlighting um, the disparities between the rich and the well, the I hate the word privilege, I'm not going to use it, but like the wealthy versus, you know, and this sort of like highly curated aspirational life that people are getting repeatedly exposed to and reminded that they don't have, Mm -hmm. but also the, the policies that are Democrat policies that have taken hold and been in existence for decades that have brought us to a place where kids graduate with call from college with the equivalent of a mortgage. So they can't actually get a mortgage for a house because they already have tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of debt that they have to handle. So like you said, you know, when you graduate college, yes, you have a bunch of roommates. I mean, there's all sorts of sitcoms on TV in the eighties about, you know, your wacky roommates, you know, living or remember uh, bosom buddies where Tom Hanks and Peter Scolari (laughs) pretended to be women to get like a good apartment in a woman's building. I mean, that that's always been a thing. The difference is that that was just because you were at your starter job and you weren't making a lot of money, but eventually you would succeed and then you could go on and do, you know, get the house, get the spouse, get children, you know, do all those things. But now these student loans that these kids are, you know, sort of have to take out to go to college and then they leave with this already hanging around their head. And then of course you have the housing market which is difficult interest rates because we flooded our economy with paper dot fake money, trillions in fake money. So now, you know, our interest rates are eight, eight percent, nine percent. And yes, they were higher during the 70s and 80s. However, um, you know, we didn't have a housing shortage. I mean, there's kind of a housing shortage out there now as well. And they were, it wasn't so expensive, you know, in order to get just your regular mortgage at 8% while you're paying off your student loans, you know, how much money do you have to make to be able to afford that? So I don't think that there's a good faith effort from these younger people as to why things are the way they are. Why is there despair? There's disparities. But also think about in our lifetime, Julie, again, as Gen Xers, we can talk about this because I think more than anyone have we've seen more change than any other generation, which is that, you know, when we were born, personal computers were not normal. They, people did not start having personal computers probably until we were in college. And even then, right. I mean, I remember typing, I mean, typing papers on a, on a typewriter to go from that right, where there's no personal computers and the TV weighed like 2,000 pounds, right? Remember these giant yep. wood encrusted TVs? To go from that to like having basically a Cray computer in your hand at all times, right, the, your cell phone and having access to all of this knowledge and being hyper-connected and being exposed to things that you would never, ever be exposed to, that that change and doing banking online and doing I mean, doing all of the things that we can do now that wouldn't even be possible to put in like a science fiction movie. I mean, go look at the science fiction right, movies right. in the 70s, like 2001 right. A Space Odyssey. I mean, even the projection of the future there is so crude and laughable based on where we were in 2001, even in real life. So, 
the change is so massive that I don't even know if as a culture, it people should go through that. You know, it's so disruptive. And then you have kids that never had to memorize a phone number, right? When you we were kids, I remember I had all my friends' phone numbers and memorized. You know, I knew all their phone numbers and that's it. That you you had no choice. Or if you didn't want to talk to someone on the phone, you just left the phone off the hook. Or you would make an emergency <laughs> breakthrough if they didn't answer, if it was busy. I mean, they're go, going from that to where we are yeah. now, it's just these kids have no idea. I mean, their kids, they don't even remember 9-11. So right. it's just so they're the the gen Gen Z versus like Gen X, we live in just a completely entirely different reality. Well, um, I think least- too, Liz, that these kids instinctively know that the government and the media and others are trying to normalize things that aren't normal. And yeah. further, they are totally contradicting how they were raised. So you're raised for girl power and, you know, you saw this huge rise in girls being involved in sports and title nine and this whole encouragement that you can compete, not compete with boys, but compete like boys. Yeah. Then all of a sudden that's flipped on its head and it doesn't matter how hard you trained or your aspirations to go to the Olympics or professional sports or just to get a scholarship or, or do something that you love and compete. Now, it doesn't matter if you're a girl, you're going to have one of your classmates put on a dress, look like, you know, Klinger from MASH, and all of a sudden, <laughs> he's going to be in the locker Twitsy. room with you. And like you Twitsy have, yes, you have influential politicians. And like we saw this week, the testimony of Fatima Goss Graves, who, if you follow me or any of my reporting, you know who she is. She is the wife of Matthew Graves, the lead January 6th prosecutor who is still charging people, rounding them up, arresting them, charging them almost every day. His wife, who runs a 100 million nonprofit, I love this. You're called the National Women's Law Center, but you're going to Congress confronting Riley Gaines, by the way, during this hearing, telling her that she and other swimmers, women um, athletes, should just get a curtain in their locker room if they feel uncomfortable with a man being there. And she is explaining how girls now should learn to lose gracefully to boys dressed as girls who put on a full one-piece Speedo instead of a man Speedo and get in the pool with them. I I mean, these girls now are like, what what is this? Well, it goes against human nature, which um, is something that, Democrats and the, not the Democrats, the left rejects, you know, that there is a human nature, but it goes against human re- nature for the, the, the sexes not to be, to have some kind of modesty about them. I mean, it's just not natural for women right. to feel like they can just get, you know, to not be uncomfortable getting undressed in front of strange men. And with all of this emphasis that we constantly hear about these microaggressions, which make no sense, but we are constantly hearing about this was a microaggression and someone microaggressed me to rejecting someone saying, I'm not comfortable with some dude staring at me with a, you know, a a penis in my locker room, watching me get undressed and being told to suck it up, buttercup. You know, it's such a, it's such cognitive dissonance uh, to to say, to, to say that. And not to mention, I think, um, 
we've been seeing more and more of these male athletes that are pretending women that are taking home trophies and stuff. And it's so discouraging for women athletes because participating in a sport as a kid and through high school, even if you're not going to compete at the college level is so character building and so important. And to have women discouraged from that because, because they're supposed to just risk physical safety. That's what it is. You know, right. there. It, I mean, there's the uncomfortable locker room stuff, but when you're talking about like a team sport that is physical, soccer or something like that, you th- now the women are in physical danger. When and I know there have been some serious. Wasn't that? Didn't something happen in Colorado? Um, <clears throat> something happened in Colorado where a girl was seriously injured, like permanently injured, playing on a sports team yes. against another team yes. where there was um uh another teammate was a man so i mean just, i'm sure that's happening all over the place it and, uh, it and it's just not getting and that's the other thing that i think that the younger people are very suspicious of the media because they know the media is so selective on what they make into stories yeah. So we don't hear about this, even though it's happening, you know, but we do hear about other things that the media thinks is important for us to know about. So, um, anyway. so before we move on to, I wanted to read some of Jack Smith's latest filing, but, um, there was a really explosive hearing, another congressional hearing. We didn't even get to Chris Ray either, but I think that this is important to emphasize, uh, or highlight, um, representative Elise Stefanik who confronted yeah. The presidents, these were the presidents, right? Harvard, MIT, and Penn. Penn. So what happened there? Oh, yeah. So um, Elise Stefanik, kudos to her. She did a great job of cross-examining these presidents of these universities where there's been a lot of media coverage, too, or some media coverage in certain spaces where um, there have been these really horrific protests on campus. And the rhetoric is very heated. Um, You know, I'm a free speech absolutist. So I say, if you want to um, march for your cause, however stupid it is, that's fine. You do have a First Amendment right to do that. You have a First Amendment right to be an idiot. You know, I believe that you can quote me on that. I can make that a bumper sticker if you'd like. But the issue was these protests were basically calling for the into an intifada, basically to like, I don't know, they 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 repeat the slogan from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. That kind of means you get rid of the Jews where like and I say get get rid of, you know, what does that mean? Do we just kill them? Do we slaughter them? Do we cut their heads off? I mean, that has already started, but they're basically calling for the murder and slaughter of Jews in these protests. Now, the reason this is problematic is because if you substitute the word Jews with African Americans, gay people, trans people, uh, whatever, and you just pick whatever, if you were to do that, if we were to set up a protest at Berkeley and we were going to be protesting, you know, affirmative action, um, or at Harvard, which is like an affirmative action hotbed, Um, you know, that would not be allowed. They would not allow you to even do that. They would say that it was hate speech, that it was not a a safe space. Remember, these places are safe spaces for these wounded 
uh, little snowflakes that can't hear anything, but not so much when we're talking about, you know, slaughtering, you know, killing Jews. So that was basically what Elise Stefanik was pressing these presidents on, which was the hypocrisy. And now all of a sudden, shocker, uh, during this testimony, we started hearing things about how our university is committed to free speech and, you know, free mm-hmm. expression. And, you know, all the, so all of a sudden we have a different rule. And so the so it's important. I mean, I, I know I I'm like a broken record with this. It's not about the principle. It's not about that. It's about power and hierarchy. So if they like you and if you're selected, you are entitled to the the protections and if you're not you don't get the protections but there's no rule that's equally applied across the board and i think that's what stefanik's questioning really showed and you know there's been a lot of money loss there's been jewish donors who have pulled their money out of upenn i know i'm sure there's more at harvard that these are liberal jews who you know do realize there is a point that they finally realize that this is they're not just coming for the the chosen people that they also don't like right like us like me and julie or whatever where well, we would not we, be allowed we to talk speech. about that for a second i think yeah, there is ahead. a little frustration um and i get it i understand this is a, a different this is different in a couple in a degree right or at least one degree but my question is where were these where have these donors been when they were doing this to conservatives on campus, when they're targeting, you know, conservative groups or conservative speakers, you know, they're chasing people like Ben Shapiro or Candace, whoever it is off the campus. Where were they then? Well, because this isn't about free. Okay. So this isn't about free speech at all on, on anyone's part. All right. right. Um, it's, it's a cloak the universities are using this as a cloak as to why they're allowing it. And remember, a lot of these universities get money from terror states that's laundered, right? Like these, right. these schools get a shit ton of money from Qatar, which is a terror state um, that funds a lot of terror. Uh, so it's not about free speech. So when you ask why didn't they say anything, because they don't care about silence. No, I mean the donors. I'm talking the about donors the- don't care. The donors don't care either. They don't care. The donors okay. care about their own ass. Right. And I will say this as as someone who is Jewish, uh, we know that that mouthing the right things isn't going to save you from Auschwitz. Okay, so they know that. So these donors aren't like I'm a free speech. You know, it it isn't even free. It it isn't a free speech principle about free speech. It's for them. It's actually the opposite of free speech because some of these people don't think that these groups should be even allowed to march and. You know, as I said, okay, if you you can be an idiot, you know, there's no law against being an idiot. If you want to go out and march for, you know, the state that never existed called Palestine, that's fine that you can do that. Um, The issue with that has always been, is that principle applied evenly? And of course, not everybody is allowed that. But these donors who are Jewish and worried, they know that that it's a Jewish thing. And so that's what they care about, but they don't care about free speech. They don't care about, um, you know, who was it, which one of the Parkland shooter kid, the kids victims, he had come out like 
and was very vocal about, was it Kyle Kashev, who was very vocal and saying, you know, I don't think this is a gun problem. Right. And, you know, Harvard rescinded his, uh, you know, admissions. And right. those people are fine with that because the people like Kyle Kashev or Kyle Rittenhouse or, you know, any J6er, you know, these are gross people. They're filthy casuals. They're dirty. I mean, they're not real people. You know what I mean? They're not smart. They're from, maybe they live on a farm. You know, maybe they're in the military or families in the military, you know, right. that kind of maybe they go hunting. I mean, these are gross, non half human people that have been basically dehumanized by the media for decades. So this isn't about principle. This is about self-interest only. But Elise Stefanik really did highlight the absolute hypocrisy. Now, as I said, when we were talking about, uh, you know, Hunter Biden testifying, and as I'll say, when we start talking about Christopher Ray, you know, What's going to happen to the universities for this? Nothing. Nothing, right? Nothing. I mean, yes, Nothing. it's great that she did that and everybody saw what hypocrites they are. And I'm sure all the people watching already knew what this, the score was. They already knew that this stuff was going on. The question is, what is the government going to do about this? Nothing. And, you know, w w what, what, like, go look at Title IX. They've used Title IX to go and take money away or threaten to take money away and funding away from schools who don't conform to these regulations written by social justice warriors about, you know, kangaroo courts for sexual harassment, right? That, that if you don't, you know, follow their protocol, which is not in any way due process as we understand it. Right. Um, and, you know, kick out boys that are accused with no evidence or no hearing or no adversarial hearing. If you don't go along that, they're going to take away money. That's what the left does. What does the Republicans do? What, what threats have they made to the universities? And to, because even though we're talking about just protests and people saying disgusting things during protests, there are literally people getting attacked, people getting locked in rooms, people that are being like crowds surrounding them and intimidating them. What it, what are the Republicans going to do about that in Congress? Right. right. Nothing. They're not going to do anything <clears throat> about it. Yeah. I'm like a broken record Speaking on that. Speaking of doing nothing about <laughs> anything, we had FBI Director Christopher Wray testify before Senate Judiciary Committee. Um, you had most Republicans on the committee giving softball, buttering up Chris Wray, what a great man he is. This was John uh, Kennedy, Senator Kennedy, before he then kind of laid the hammer on Ray. But nonetheless, you don't have to say what a great guy Chris Ray is, how much better he was than Jim Comey, because I would actually argue that Chris Ray is probably worse than Jim Comey. Um, mm -hmm. You might agree with me on that, because Jim Comey always came across as this just ridiculously arrogant, full of himself, uh, sanctimonious piece of shit, which he is. And still is Chris Ray comes across as he he he's more successful in portraying himself as earnest, right, and a defender of the men and women in the FBI, et cetera, et cetera. So you had that. Then you had Senator John Cornyn, who I don't know could be the worst, most useless, oh at my least God. for Republicans, useless. He's not useless to the um, national security Democrat. state or certainly Democrats. No, um, sort of. Leading Christopher Ray, you know, to all these nice talking points or sound bites about how the FBI is really being cautious with its 702 power, which you can talk Ugh, about. So that I know it was hilarious. 
literally, um, it was like it was li- literally John Cornyn basically performed a sexual act on Christopher <laughs> Ray, and it 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 literally an act that is, I believe, illegal in some southern states to this day. Could be, could be um, that it yeah. it wasn't. People should really check it out because it's, it's just again back to what we're talking about. Republicans, especially in the Senate, who just spend their time sucking up to these bureaucrats who have so much power and are abusing their authority to go after their own constituents. And they still yeah. sit there and say what a great guy he is. They're fine with it. They're fine with it. Um, no, it's it's disgusting because 702 is up. I mean, that that's why Chris Ray was there. Right. He was there to try and scare people about no, why they, what 702 is. Yep. So, a FISA. Oh, I'm sorry. Cool. 702 is this FISA, the surveillance apparatus is what it is. And the one that's been so abused so many times, I can't even count, um, you know, Russia collusion hoax. That's when it really came to light, the degree to which it was being abused. I mean, I was just looking at some numbers. I think even just last year, maybe no, 2021, there was over 200,000 abuses Right. Of this surveillance. That's just in 2021. They've surveilled a congressman. They um, the Department of Justice refused to let Google tell people they were surveilling Senate staff. So this is out of control. And what Chris Ray was doing is it's it has to be reauthorized. And Chris Ray was there to tell people to use words like Iran and China and Russia. Say we need this to stop terrorists. But. They do need it to stop terrorists. It's just that their idea of a terrorist is not our idea of a terrorist because their idea of a terrorist is us. So uh, he was there to do that. Now, the House is supposed to uh, has to reauthorize that. Now, I believe uh, Andy Biggs and Matt Gates have put a bill together that uh, because there's basically no consequences for abusing this, which is the most fundamental violation of your civil liberties imaginable. Right. They're spying on your phone, your computer, your what your bank, everything. I mean, it, it, it's so egregious. There are no consequences. And that was a question that was asked of Christopher Ray. I think Mike Lee laid into him and was like, how many people have been disciplined for abusing the system? You know, because what Chris Ray was saying is, no, no, we have they, they always they do this every time. 702 is up for authorization. Oh, no, no. We have safeguards in now. We have new safeguards in that will prevent the abuse. And then there's, of course, you know, abuse after abuse, after abuse, after abuse. So that Christopher Ray was there to try and scare people and get public pressure to reauthorize 702. The House needs to do it. There's, like I said, Gates and I think Biggs have put an alternative bill out. But you know what? Here's the play. Let me just give you the right play, which won't happen. Don't do shit. Don't do anything. <laughs> let it, just let it go. That's Don't right. do anything. Don't do anything. Say, no, we're not going to we're not we're not going to put anything and we're just going to let it go. And that and that and that and that's the end of it. Don't 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 do anything. And so and Mike Lee, what should happen? Senator Mike Lee did confront Christopher Ray to your point about. So there they have um, agents or officials who are using this database to get dirt for um, a parent who thinks that the other parent is cheating on them. So getting yep. dirt like that, getting dirt Looking on donor. ex-girlfriends. Yeah, friends. ex-girlfriends. Yeah. Um, so obviously being used in so many ways. And that's just what we know about. But what was so hilarious, Liz, is Chris Ray saying how 
he put these reforms in place. And of course, when he was pressed by Mike Lee, Josh Hawley, and I think one other might have been Ted, Ted Cruz, Cruz, I think. Right. Said, OK, what were the consequences for people who did violate this? Um, of course, the answer was none. I think at one point he actually said, well, it's going in their personal file. It's going on their permanent record. Oh, no. It's going in their personnel file and it will affect their compensation. <laughs> like, who talks that Give way? Give me a break. But these are these are criminal acts. It's important to remember these are. This isn't like I took a second cup of coffee and didn't put 50 cents in the little jar where we pay for our coffee. (laughs) This isn't some like office discretion. Right. It's literally criminal. Right. For this to happen. And none of these people have been fired. And even um, the few people that got like performative slaps on the wrist, like what was it? Kevin Kleinsmith, who forged the CIA email, you know, there's no long-term damage, you know, uh, to him. There's no long-term damage to any of the people that swore lies to the FISA court, um, you know, four times over knowingly, um, you know, there's no consequences to this. So, Oh, that's what I wanted to say. Chris Ray actually told the committee a few times that his reforms were so great that they were applauded by the Department of Justice and the FISA court, the okay, two right. entities responsible for <laughs> the illicit, illegal, unlawful spying on the Trump campaign through the Carter Page FISA. It's hilarious. Like, what world are we watching here? It's a joke. It's a joke. So my advice to the House, and they're not going to take it, is just let it ex- just let it expire. Yes. Let it expire. Let it and, expire. And, 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 and if, you know, if they want to send over like the Biggs bill or, you know, the Gates big bill, fine. If the Senate, which they won't, okay, the Senate is not going to go along with it. And she's like, okay, fine. That's it. And it's let's fine, remind it. people who appoints judges to the FISA court. That is John Roberts. Yeah. And one member of the FISA court is Judge Amit Mehta, the D.C. District Court judge, who is one of the worst judges for January 6th defendants, Trump overall. He is a brazen partisan, and this guy's on the FISA court, and we think that he's going to scrutinize anything related to spying on Trump supporters or conservatives or anyone on the right. Well, even but, anyone on the FISA court is part of the institution. They're always going to yes. protect the institution. And so they wouldn't – I don't want to give any of them the benefit of the doubt because I really none. don't think any of them deserve it. But even if I did give them the benefit of the doubt, an honest broker would be shocked to think that the FBI would lie to them about evidence, right? Like it's in a way it's not the judge's fault because how do the judges assume if you swear under oath, you're swearing under oath. They probably, I mean, they don't have the tools to evaluate the claims in a FISA. I would think a little red flag Liz in the FISA application would be citing a Yahoo news article (laughs) from Michael. That might be off as a judge that this is no, for sure. For sure. But just, I mean, yeah, no, no, look, I get it. The FISA, I mean, the FISA applications were absurd. They weren't questioned. And these people that are in the system are, have a vested interest in continuing the system. 
Yeah. Right. I mean, like Cash Patel said, which he just really said it so beautifully when he was the last time he was a guest on Happy Hour, which is that it's a self-licking ice cream cone. Right. Yeah. That's what it is. I mean, these people have an interest in the continuity of the system that gives them power. So they're willing to just they just rubber stamp shit. And that's that's what's happened with FISA. And so it's important. I mean, I, is this being used to stop actual terrorists? I I don't know. I, I, I doubt it. I know it is being used to go after innocent people and no one's held accountable for it. There's no incentive not to abuse the system with the, it goes on your permanent record. Well, Ooh. it was amazing. Ooh, yes, scary. it was amazing during Chris Ray's testimony. Chris Ray, who has been saying since 2018 that domestic violent extremists, i.e. Trump supporters, pose the greatest threat to the country. All of a sudden, he didn't mention that the other day. Now we're back to China, Iran, Iran Russia, yeah. you know, the Middle East. Those states now are the greatest. But also threat. open borders, but also open borders. So it's fine. You know, right. it's like we All also sudden, let anybody in this country for any reason. And we're not worried that they're terror cells or anything. Um, you know, but there's so, a reason why Democrats are supporting <clears throat> the renewal of 702. There's a reason why Democrats are supporting it, not because they want to go. At, they think that there's legitimate, you know, Americans or people residing here who are tied to terror cells, because if that was the case, then they would shut down the border because Chris right. Ray also recognized a small number. We know it's a lot more of known terror suspects who crossed the border recently. They want to keep that in place because they know how the FBI, NSA, and other agencies are using, are using it. it to yep. using it to target Americans who, for political reasons, not because they're tied to ISIS, which was the whole premise of 702. So <clears throat> I don't know. I don't have a lot of hope. No. Even the compromise of going to court and getting a warrant. To surveil an American citizen suspected of having ties to terror cells overseas. That's so that's so fucking easy. I mean, look at well, the now that, you that know, we now that you know, you know, now that you've had a first, you know, a front row yeah. seat to the actual legal system, you know, yeah. it is disheartening to think, well, that's not really, a, uh, you know, a backstop either. A stop, yeah, no, not at all, because these federal judges, for the most part, are rubber stamps for whatever the government wants. I don't even think they read this stuff. They just sign off on it. So that's not really a solution either. To your point, it just needs to expire. If you are going to surveil an American citizen or someone living here, you better figure out another way to do it. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, that's been we just went by so that went by so fast. Whoa. All right. Well, next week we'll get to the latest in the Jack Smith. No, next week. Oh, yeah. Next week. So we're going to we're going to manage a happy hour, even though there's some travel arranged plans <laughs> happening but we're going to try really hard so we think yeah. that there's going to be an episode next week um also i want to give a shout out to all of the new listeners at the department of justice who tuned into our interview with john eastman last week we had record breaking <laughs> show listeners yeah. um and i know that some of you are doj employees so welcome hope you stick around um a lot of fun gen x stuff going on here and yes. And, it, and maybe you could like become a whistleblower. We have some people we could get you in touch with. If we can help you if you need, if you, you know, blink twice, if you're, uh, you know, being held against your will. Uh, um, I want to name a couple line prosecutors who I've watched in action, but because I am far more decent than they are, I won't. But um, 
You're a better person than I those am. people, those guys, mm-hmm. Julie. All right. Well, thank you for listening. We'll be here next week. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes. We're on Spotify. I don't know why our show is not updating. I'm going to have to get into that. Have a lovely, wonderful week, and we will see you soon. Thanks for listening to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week. Bye.